Welcome everybody to the Top Bag Podcast. My name is Matthew Legaspi, and welcome to my Last of Us Part 2 spoiler rant video. The Last of Us Part 2 has been out for a couple of weeks now. Everyone has had a chance to play it. I myself have played through it twice and just finished getting the Platinum Trophy. And while I had my fun with it, I am okay with not playing it again for a long time. So first off, I want to make one thing very clear before I start my spoiler video. The first game is among my favorite games of all time. And while I don't think the game's story is complete trash, I think the overall story could have been great overall had it had a couple of rewrites. And now that I've had some time to really digest it and gather my thoughts, I've come to the conclusion that I am very disappointed. There are a few annoyances I have with the game, but the story is my biggest complaint. There are so many story elements and character interactions within the plot that falls incredibly short, but there are also moments very much on par to the first game's greatest moments. Anything involving Ellie and Joel is the absolute best parts of the game, and that is pretty much a universal agreement among fans. The flashbacks in the dinosaur museum and the moments with Joel trying to connect with Ellie through the acoustic guitar and music are easily the highlights of the game for me. It really just reminded everyone who was a fan of the first game, myself included, as to why we love these two characters. Their surrogate father-daughter relationship is unlike any other and still remains strong in this game. It's just a shame that only about 10% of the game involve Ellie and Joel. So, let's get into the story. I'm gonna find... And I'm gonna kill... Every... It's been roughly four years since the end of the first game. Ellie has a new life in Jacksonville with a thriving community, a love interest, and more importantly, a purpose in life. Like many of the citizens of Jacksonville, she is in charge of scouting and patrolling the perimeters of the town and kill any infected that may be nearby. So right from the start, you can tell that Ellie has changed a lot as a person. She's matured. She's not as spunky or as humorous as she used to be. Her relationship with Joel has soured due to certain plot details I'll talk about later. But ultimately, she's becoming a full-fledged adult. I think the most jarring thing about Ellie's development is the fact that she lacks personality. Under the circumstances, I understand why Ellie has turned into a one-dimensional psychopath, but unfortunately, it has made Ellie into an almost unlikable character by the end of the story. Almost every character trait that made players fall in love with that character is practically non-existent during the main story, and it is only shown during the flashback segments with Joel. I do okay. Me? <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, kiddo. So I want to get straight into some of the controversy regarding certain agendas and story quarrels that's caused the fan base to go completely apeshit the past couple of months. Yes, the LGBT themes are very present in this game. From the first hour, the story starts with Ellie having an off-screen argument with one of the townspeople over calling her a derogatory term and Joel coming to defend her. Immediately, I was kind of annoyed with the fact that in this world sexuality still has to be an issue even during a zombie apocalypse I'm not saying bigoted people couldn't exist in this world but I feel like after 25 years after the outbreak I don't know why it has to be one of the main themes in this game where Neil Druckmann and co-writer Haley Gross missed the mark with the game is trying to reflect too many real world agendas as a matter of fact it's probably my biggest complaint about the story altogether the whole story is supposed to be about revenge and duality of right and wrong the story really could have been a simple tale of humanity trying to deal with the consequences of taking human life, dealing with the violence going on outside and inside oneself. 
So right off the bat, I was completely on board with the parallel characterizations of Ellie and Abby. Joel was a father figure to Ellie. Joel kills Abby's father. Abby wants revenge and kills Joel. Ellie wants revenge and wants to kill Abby. It's really a simple story premise that, if written better, could have hit home. Instead, they focus more on relationships and love triangles in this game. I think they really should have went more in-depth about father-daughter relationships. You can argue that the first game already covered it, but I think having Ellie as an adult now was more than enough to spark interesting stories of how Joel and Ellie's dynamic could and should have changed. It would have been more interesting to see how Joel would have had to deal with something that a lot of parents fear, which is a stage where your kids don't need your help anymore. The second flashback with the fireflies was such a poignant moment, and in all honesty, the most important moment in The Last of Us Part Two, and they chose to cut it criminally short. That in itself could have formed into a story about forgiveness and trust. The acting was superb, the dialogue was amazing, but it doesn't develop nearly enough as it should. I don't get why they didn't focus more on Joel and Ellie in this game. I also think they should have delved more deeply into Abby and her relationship with her father and the Fireflies, but instead they focused more on her piece of shit love interest Owen in the aquarium. Not to mention there is no mention of Ellie or Abby's mom in this game. That was a plot point I was hoping they were going to flesh out more in part 2, but they chose not to mention it at all. The new characters Owen, Dina, and Jesse all failed to gain any sympathy from me and that's because they don't add enough dimensions to the story and don't have interesting character moments. Dina exists purely for Ellie to have someone besides Joel to care about. The biggest disappointment of the story were the additions of Lev and Yara. They were former members of the Seraphites who decided to leave the cult for undisclosed reasons when you're playing the game at first. As the game goes on, they slowly build up to why the Seraphites are out to kill them. As any cult does, if any member doesn't fully conform to their ideologies or beliefs, they usually ostracize them in some way, shape, or form. For the character of Lev, they revealed that he shaved his head, which is forbidden for some reason. But then a couple of hours later, the Seraphites run into Lev and Abby and refer to Lev as Lily. So we find out that he is actually a she. At this point, I was still on board. Lev's actual character and personality is really endearing and he served as a good side character to Abby. Abby in this game has an extreme fear of heights and Lev's character helps motivate her to confront their fears by using some of the Seraphites' philosophies. I like that even though Lev was basically banished from the Seraphites, he still found the teachings and beliefs useful and applicable. Lev and Yara were actually the only characters I actually care about in this story. What they ended up doing with them is extremely disrespectful and just another example of bad writing. All of the characters in the first Last of Us were memorable and were really well written, so I find it a little jarring that none of the characters with the exception of Lev and Yara failed to gain any sympathy or empathy from me. So I'll say this first. I love and appreciate that Neil and Naughty Dog wanted to have an all-inclusive cast of characters in this game. The first game was pretty diverse in itself. Sam and Henry were African Americans who had really significant roles in their section of the game. Bill was another gay character who left a lasting impression. Having representation is great and I think it's positive progression when done correctly. In this game, there's a heavy Asian-oriented cast which I appreciate. We have some Latin representation and physically strong women. I love it. Now, here's where I have problems with Lev's overall presence in this game. Far into the game, Abby has a conversation with Lev's sister Yara in the aquarium about Lev or Lily's internal struggle with gender. Lev is actually a girl who identifies with being a boy. 
I think this is the very first transgender child that character in any video game. Yara then delves deeper into their family dynamics and reveals that their mother is a conservative and hates the fact that Lev wants to be a boy even though she is a girl and is expected to be married off later as an adult in the Seraphite community. There is more detail about Lev's role in the Seraphite society, but at the end of the day, it becomes unimportant. At this point, Lev and Yara are planning to go to Santa Barbara with Abby's love interest, Owen, to start a better life. But before doing that, Lev wants to confront his mother and convince her to accept them and possibly come with them to Santa Barbara. And this is the very moment where I completely hated where the story was going. I was pretty annoyed with the story as is at this point, but this is the straw that broke the camel's back for me. What my problem with Lev's story arc is that it served absolutely no purpose in this game's narrative. The game took me a good six hours to finally accept Abby's role in the game and finally get acquainted with her character, but now the game is forcing us to care about Lev's character as a transgender. The focus of the story should have been about the dichotomy of Ellie and Abby and how their relationships and tragic losses mirror each other. It was a good concept in my opinion, and from pen to paper it should have worked flawlessly. But by adding all these other characters, we have more conflicts we have to worry about while still trying to hold on dearly to the main story. What Levin Yar's story arc does is deviate from the original plot and forces us to play an extra hour or hours of gameplay of unnecessary gunfights through useless spectacle. Yar was built up as a really strong, cool character who lost an arm. We spent three to four hours prior fighting multiple infected enemies to find medical supplies for her survival, but she ultimately dies because of Lev's dumb decision to go back. Her sacrifice was like a slap in the face for the players because she basically died for nothing. Of all characters that died in this game, Yara should definitely not have been one of them. I'm not fucking moving. No! What the fuck? When you compare character deaths with the first game, you'll realize how insignificant the deaths were in part 2. For example, when Tess and Sam died in the first game, their deaths were impactful because they got bit in the process of trying to help Joel and Ellie fight the infected. Henry's suicide was gut-wrenching to me because you realize how he couldn't live without his younger brother Sam and the guilt he would have bared by not protecting him. Those split-second deaths and sacrifices were expertly told and believably conveyed. So when you see hundreds of bullets going into Yara on the ground, knowing that her death could have easily been prevented, or seeing the body of the dead mother knowing that she just slipped and fell trying to chase Lev around the house, you feel nothing but annoyance. I don't know if it was Neil Druckmann's decision or Haley Gross's idea to add these story elements into the game, but whoever it was, you guys did a fucking horrible job. Everything involving getting medical tools for Yara and going back for Lev at the Seraphite Island was nothing but a six hour long detour that added nothing to the overall theme of revenge. Now, if anybody has complaints about my opinions, please hear me out a little bit first. I really like Lev as a character. His existence and relationship with Abby was to obviously parallel Joel and Ellie's relationship from the first game. Ali's depicted as a hardened soldier who often shields her emotions but has allowed this kid to connect with her. It is Joel and Ellie part 2, and I was all for it. But when you really dive deep and really try to dissect Lev's internal struggle, what the hell did it have to do with the story? Again, why in the game about humanity's survival does sexual preference or sexual identity have to be an issue when surviving a world where human life is dying left and right? Knowing infected could be around any corner. There is no need to tell the story. I get that they're trying to show how bigoted societal norms can be in a world like this, but 
it ended up being just a waste of time. Like I said, the first game had gay characters existing, but there's no agenda being pushed in that one. Imagine in the first game if Bill's sexuality took more precedent. It would have ruined the flow of the story. I would have been more accepting if Lev was just a transgender character who was just a part of Abby's journey, giving a little backstory here and there through conversations about the struggle of it, but just leave it alone after the fact. But no, they had to make it a big plot point that ultimately went nowhere. Lev's struggle with sexuality has no alignment with Abby's character. If Abby was also a character who had a hard time being accepted in the WLF with her masculine physique and made it difficult for her to be accepted as a woman, then I could see how both character stories could have worked and play off each other. But Abby didn't have any of those problems at all, and was once again just another missed opportunity. When you see Joel and Ellie's relationship evolve, it's because of what Joel lost in the first game. He lost his daughter. Ellie was that surrogate daughter for him to move forward. With this story, Abby and Lev, yes, they both lost family members, but their internal struggles don't really connect with each other. It doesn't really make sense. Now, I'm a huge supporter of the LGBT community, and I think Lev's story and internal conflict would have been a compelling one, but I think forcing it into The Last of Us Part 2 was the wrong decision. Lev's story could have easily been a DLC side story similar to Left Behind. That way, it could have been more fleshed out and wouldn't have detracted from Ellie and Abby's story. It would have made part 2's story a lot leaner too, but instead we get a story that loses focus due to forced pandering. Before I end my video, I want to talk a little bit more about Abby before I finish. I think overall, I was satisfied with the character development. Originally, I thought Abby was going to be the transgender character just based on her strong facial bone structure and huge muscles, but I was surprised to see that she was just a regular old gal who was physically strong. I do think they overcompensated with the muscles though, but they could have toned it down just a little bit. So I think at the very least, I like how Abby was built up. Laura Bailey did a fantastic job. Joel's death scene was the face of the leaks back in April or May, and seeing it play out in this game with full context was still hard to watch for me. When people say that his death was disrespectful, I can't really argue because there was a part of me thinking the way he died was purely for shock value. However, the decision of having Joel die in this game was still the correct one in my opinion. Especially when you know he's killed hundreds of people in the last 20 years since the outbreak happened. There's no way you can kill so many people and come out unscathed. I think having Abby's father being the main surgeon that you were forced to kill in the first game was a smart choice because we all know how that first game ended. Having Ellie be killed without consent at the expense of humanity's salvation is still a popular debate among fans still up until this day. Ellie was the surrogate daughter of Joel in place of his real daughter that Joel had tragically taken away from him. So him willingly leaving the Fireflies to conduct surgery that would kill her was definitely out of the question. Once again, the first game was laid out everything perfectly and it was hard to blame Joel for his actions in the end. So when you play this game, you get a little bit of the relationship dynamic between Abby and her father during a flashback. And while short, I think it conveyed just enough for us to at least gain a little bit of sympathy. Marlene even makes a surprise return in the flashback segment when she's talking to Abby's father before the surgery is supposed to happen. She delivers probably the most important line in this game. What if it was your daughter? What if it was Abby that was under the knife instead of Ellie? What is a life worth to you? Is it worth saving the world if the one life you're living for has to die for it? I'm aware of the situation. And you're okay with killing her? No, I'm okay with developing a vaccine that'll help save millions of lives. How many fireflies have died for less? That was their choice. Are you asking me 
Are you telling me this is how it's gonna be? I am begging you to buy in. And what if this was Abby? <laughs> that was the constant dilemma that was being thrown at the player in the first game. And I don't understand why Neil couldn't have connected it more with this game. He could have developed a deeper story building up the relationship dynamic between Abby and her father so the players could gain more sympathy for her loss. There was one flashback scene with her and her father that lasted for 20 minutes. That is not enough time to flush out a good father-daughter relationship. They really tried to embellish the idea of Abby's father being this really wholesome guy who is an animal lover that likes to collect quarters, but that's about as deep as it, his character goes. If you want players to care about characters' death, we need more than just a couple of quirks to make us feel sympathy. Once again, instead of focusing on Abby's love relationship, we could have had a nice two to three hour story about Abby and her father leading up to Joel's confrontation, but yet we have another missed opportunity again. There is so much hate for Neil Druckmann and Haley Gross right now for their writing in this game, and it just really makes me wonder if if Bruce Straley would have been back for this story had it been better. Neil gets the majority of the credit for writing the first game, but people sometimes forget that Bruce Straley was also a major component. I just wished we could live in an alternate reality where both Neil and Bruce collaborated again to write a proper sequel to The Last of Us. I'm not quite sure how much of his writing was involved in the first game story, but if it was enough to have made it the masterpiece that it was, Naughty Dog should have fought harder for him to return for part two. So lastly, I want to talk about the final minutes of the game between Ellie and Abby. So after 25 hours of gameplay, we finally get to the point where Abby confront each other one last time on the shore of Santa Barbara, engaging in hand-to-hand -hand combat. I know a lot of people would have preferred for Ellie to just kill Abby by the end of the game, but I think it was actually a good moment that solidified Ellie as a character, and it is a moment that differentiates herself from Joel. I see people in the comments section saying, oh, Ellie killed hundreds of people and dogs, but she can't bring herself to kill the one person who has taken the most important person to her. And in my head, the simple answer is, yes, of course she can't. Because unlike those other people Ellie killed, Abby is a character that has refrained from killing her on two separate occasions. In a sense, she knew Abby on a deeper level. Ellie and Abby are two sides of the same coin. It's part of the whole damn theme of the game. So throughout the game, Ellie collects trading cards of superheroes and villains that show the character's scale of good and evil in the back of it. Abby collects state quarter coins. Coins are an obvious symbolism of being two parts of the same whole or simply having two sides. These two characters are anti-heroes and we players understand that. Despite all of the killing, blood, sweat, and tears to get to this moment of finally killing Abby, she realized that killing her was not going to bring Joe back. As a player, we went through Abby's journey. We know that Abby has lost equally as much as Ellie at this point. Both Abby and Ellie lost fathers, they lost close friends, and are still in a state of survival where the human population is decreasing by the second. In that moment, Ellie was able to retain some of her humanity left in her. Had she killed Abby, it would have felt dissatisfying playing through that sequence. It would have felt empty. It's one of the very few good storytelling moments that I actually liked. The title was called The Last of Us, and society is trying to get back to normal, but can't because of all the violence occurring. If you notice in this game compared to the first one, you actually spend more time killing regular ass people than you do killing infected. That was 100% intentional. Because this story isn't about surviving the infected anymore. It's about human beings still going through the same detrimental habits that make our species so flawed. The negative sides of human behavior such as greed, lust for power, 
lusts for revenge are still in play, even when the humans are at the brink of extinction. So I still stand by saying that this game is a flawed masterpiece. Story and weird pacing aside, I think it's still a masterfully crafted game with great gameplay, amazing presentation, and at times pretty good story moments. It just sucks that being progressive turned out to be the story's downfall. I don't see this game being celebrated or even being as commercially successful as the first one. For me, I still think the first game is Naughty Dog's crowning achievement. I hope moving forward Naughty Dog and Neil Druckmann specifically learn from this experience. While there are plenty of fans who are anti-LGBT and purely trolls and haters, there are actual fans that have some good points out there. I respect the fact that The Last of Us is Neil's baby, and he has every right to do whatever he wants with it. But if he wants to continue having a successful career in writing, directing, or whatever it is in the game industry that he does, he needs to take into account of how people are going to perceive the work that he does, and know his place when telling a story. This is a pro-LGBT game, yet none of the main writers are neither LGB or T. And that's probably why I failed to connect with audiences. You have to be socially responsible when telling stories of demographics foreign to your own. No matter how much love and respect Neil may have for the LGBT community, it is not his place to tell their stories. People are going to either like it or hate it, and that's just how it goes. If I had to give this game a rating, I would probably give it a 7.5 out of 10, somewhere around there. But it's still a great game. I just wish it could have been better. If you guys made it all the way to the end of this video, I really appreciate the time you guys took to listen to this little random mine. Also leave down the comment below, I would love to engage in some conversations or dialogue about the game's story. It's a big disappointment to me, but it might have been great for others. Also if you like this content, please hit the like or subscribe button, I would love to make more reviews like this in the future. From the top of the dome to the back of the pack, this is the Top Bag Podcast. I'll see you guys next time. Peace.